from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. with this module on works and expression in ARs, what we're now going to be looking at is creating the authorized access point for these. So first we're going to look at the work. Whenever you are creating the authorized access point for a work, you're going to start first with the name of the creator, if applicable. After all, not every single work has a known creator. Even if it's got one that's floating somewhere in somebody's mind, we don't know about them but most of the time we do. So, in all of those situations, name comes first, followed by preferred title of the work. That the preferred title is what you established back in 6.2.2. Then, as needed, you will add one or more qualifiers. Form, date, place of origin, or other distinguishing characteristic. So, all together, that makes it unique. Now, Let's just consider an example. I was just going through the uh, catalog looking at uh, old records and I found one by Andrew R. Atkinson with the title Running Dry. And looking at the record, I can obviously get the name. I can then get the preferred title from the 245. I can get the form of the work, prose or novel or something like that. I believe it's a, a book on running for exercise and that kind of thing. I could get the date of the work based on the manifestation date of 1983. I didn't have any information about place of origin or other distinguishing characteristics, which kind of brings out the point. Do I record all of those attributes? Right, or do you need to go searching for them? Or and the answer is really no. Mm -hmm. You record what you've got available. Okay. You're going to record them based on what do, what do I need to make that unique authorized access point. So, you know, if you don't have it, don't obsess about it unless you need to have it. Okay. Now one thing I want to emphasize here, and this kind of goes back to what makes the works and expression NAR just a little bit different from all the other ones, because they're really dependent on decisions that you make in the bibliographic record. In RDA there's a difference in the sense that there's going to be more situations where you have a 100 in your bibliographic record where before an AACR2 you might have ended up with title as your main entry. And that really has to do with the fact that the rule of three that AACR2 had as a limitation for bib records has gone away. Uh, so you're going to have situations with multiple creators, but you're still going to be using a 100 field to indicate who was the first one named, or the most important one, or a whole bunch of different situations like that. So it's going to crop up a lot more in RDA. It's a bib record decision. And that's fine. That's what it's always been. But that does mean that more often you're going to end up with name title authorized access points for your authority record than you used to. But it's always, as it was before, dependent on first the bib record decisions. Oh, this has a 100, this has a 110, this doesn't. And then you create the authorized um, authority record, the authorized access point that needs an authority record based on that decision you've already made. So, moving on, when you create that preferred title for a work, 
well, how do you arrive at it? And this really goes back to a, a very big similarity with how ACR2 made the decision. The criteria are fundamentally the same. For works created after 1500, yes, you're going to consider reference sources, but primarily you're going to be looking at the first edition title. How was it published the very first time it came out? And the more modern the work, the more likely it's going to be, the first edition title. You really aren't going to be looking at reference sources for an item that was just published oh, a year ago. For older works, of course, reference sources come into play a lot more frequently. That includes things, you know, anything published before 1500, uh, those stories and, and um, cycles and stories with many versions. I always like the old fairy tales that, you know, you have to search the reference sources mm -hmm. to figure out what they are. And manuscripts and manuscripts groups are also a thing where you need to do research to figure out what is that preferred title for that uh, work. So, after you consider that, we then move on to look at specifically a compilation of works. And this is really talking about things by one creator but multiple works. So it doesn't matter if that creator is one person, one family, or one corporate body. The important criterion here is one. So this is the kind of situation where you have the complete or selected works of an author, um, all of that person's poetry, some of the person's novels, and that kind of thing. Well, the decision here is very much going to be familiar. You still use the conventional collective title that is applied by the cataloger. So the basic principle is unchanged. We, the cataloger, are applying this uh, conventional collective title to make it consistent. But there are a few differences in application. One big difference, when you've got the selections of the complete works of a creator, you're going to use the preferred title, Works, Period, Selections. Mm, it wow. used to be we used selections only. Right. Now it's Works, Selections. Another difference, work selections is pretty much used for two or more works, but not all in various forms. So, you know, two or more uh, poetry and novels or whatever. You are not going to worry about applying that uh, extra provision of two or more works in one form if the author was known to function in only one form. We're just, we're not concerning ourselves with researching that fact anymore. We're going with the what was the basic assumption before that this person probably produced more than one form. Now, one thing that is the same is that if you've got selections in one form, such as, say, the complete plays of a person, you've got some of those plays, you're still going to use that same um, created title, Plays Selections. However, there's an interesting difference here, and it's a difference that's going to make an impact in the fact that you're going to end up with more NARs because of this. That whole concern that we used to have in the RIs about adequate or inadequate title, I hated that concern because it was so hard to define. It's very difficult. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You're just going to go ahead and say, if it's selections of this person's plays, you're going to use play selections. It doesn't matter if the title is adequate or inadequate, which I was never able to define adequately. <laughs> <clears throat> Next, we move on to RDA dealing with part or parts of a work. And a lot of these are going to be very familiar because we do them in much the same way. If you've got one part, use the part title. If you've got two or more parts that are numbered or consecutive, you give access to those individual parts or use selections, according to RDA. 
Same thing with unnumbered or non-consecutive. You either give access to the individual parts or you use the term selections. However, the LCPS is actually instructing us at this time to simply use the selections option of those two and really not give access to individual parts. That makes it actually a little bit simpler because that does save you with, uh, for some uh, analytical access point kind of work. What do you do about two works that are published together? Yes, uh, that was the old AACR2 rule 25.7, and that really has been now swallowed up by the RDA rule for two or more parts. So in situations where you've got two or more works published together, we used to have to do a uniform title and an analytical access point, I mean, analytical added entry, and that assumed, of course, that it had a collective title. Well, you can treat that the same way that we've done with all the other or more parts, which is you can use selections. Okay. Now, the LCPS does add a, an extra proviso that if there is one part of that selections that's more important, perhaps, or you really want to bring it out, you can go ahead and add an access point specifically to that part. So that's an extra option in the LCPS. Now, you know, once again, PCC hasn't said they're following this pattern at all, so you still have in NACO the option of saying, well, I want to go ahead and give access to both individual parts or all three individual parts, and that is certainly your option. But really, the probably the shortest pathway is to go ahead and use selections. Okay. So, next we move on to creating the authorized access point for the expression. And that one always starts with the access point for a work. So, you've created the authorized access point for the work, and then you're going to add something to that uh, created point and created access point with qualifiers to make the expression unique. And those are of four types, the content type, the date, the language, and other distinguishing characteristic. Now, the LCPS that is attached to this particular instruction specifies that you're really only going to create NARs for expressions in five specific situations. So you can limit yourself in that same way, and those are the ones we're going to cover to give you overarching examples. But I don't think that um, PCC is necessarily looking to expand beyond those five at this point. Well, we've seen uh, authorized access points that do differentiate beyond the five at LC, but we, we really don't have a policy there yet about okay. it. Okay, now those five uh, different situations include one that's specific to music and one that's specific to sacred scriptures, neither of which we're going to really cover here because they are, you know, specialist communities. But the other three that we're going to take a quick look at are translations, language editions, and compilations with conventional collective titles. They should all be quite familiar to you. So you've got a translation. What are you going to do to make it unique? You're going to add the language of translation to that authorized access point that already exists. In the bib record, you're going to get analytical added entries when there are multiple languages to deal with one for the original and one for the translation, if that's what you've got in your bib, um, in your resource. Uh, you will not ever have two languages in that L subfield when you create an authorized access point for an expression. It's only ever going to be one unique expression, which means one unique language. 
Now, language additions, they're very similar to translations in the sense that one language is the first one and this, uh, another language is the second one. This really has to do with simultaneously published translations, kind of like how you know Canada has to do things both in English and in French at the same time because it's required by the fact that they have two official languages. That means that when we handle it, we simply say, okay, the one that comes across our desk first is going to be considered the first language. The one that goes across second is going to be considered the translation. So you're still going to just add the language of translation in the L subfield to the authorized access point for the work. And that will make it unique. For compilations with conventional collective titles, this should be very familiar to you. Go ahead and add your date of the expression to any conventional collective title that begins with works. That means complete works or works selections. Don't go ahead and anticipate conflict at the level of plays or play selections, but yes, at the level of works and work selections, go ahead and add that date from the moment you are creating that authorized access point to make it unique. You are going ahead and anticipating conflict. So we won't really look at sacred scriptures or music resources, but they are really adding, in the same way, uh, things like language or the fact that it's an arrangement to that authorized access point for the work to go ahead and make it unique. Okay, so that's a good break point at this, at this section because we've now covered the whole concept of what kind of authorized access point we're going to create. And in the next section, we'll, of course, be looking at that variant access point and uh, some of those similarities and differences to AACR2 when it comes to these types of NARs. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.